Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Church Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people take their next step to move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridgechristian.com. We pray that your life is transformed through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our executive pastor, Craig Portwood. Morning, friends. It's good to see you with us. Um, before we begin, I think it's probably pretty important that as a church, we just we pause for a few moments. Um, this has been a hard week. Um, the incredibly senseless violence in Las Vegas is just kind of cast a heavy shadow, um, and it's a continuance of things that just keep popping up, of people devaluing the lives of others, and, and um, it's just heartbreaking, and I, I think that as a church, we need to pause for a few moments, and we just need to pray. Um, I, I don't have an easy solution, but I, I know that we need to turn to God, and we've got to continue turning to God, and I'll and I tell you, I'm, I'm tired. My heart is heavy, and I'm tired of my heart being heavy. Um, and I, I think we just got to depend on God to give us the strength to make our way through that. So uh, let's, let's go to him right now. Father, we, we come to you in, God, in times like this because we really don't know what else to do or where to turn. And when we see just the complete disregard for human life as we have seen this week again, we just have to be reminded that you are the, the giver and creator of life. And that while things around us seem unstable and unsure, your promises never fail, and that your mercy is strong and given fresh daily. Your grace is enough not only to bring us to your son, but to to give us the courage to live for you, and that you've given us the great gift of compassion so that we can care for the people around us. Our hearts just break for those whose lives are taken from them in Las Vegas and the lives of their families that are changed forever. And we ask that they would become aware of your presence. We know that you are already there with them, God, but may they become aware of your presence. May they receive the gift of your comfort and your peace that can only come from you and your Holy Spirit. May we continue to pray for them and our entire community as we seek your will for all of us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we, are, we are in a series called For Our Neighbors. And, and I'm, I don't know, things like this week kind of highlight to me that our neighbors are not just the people in Milledgeville, Baldwin County, Georgia. It's, it's anybody throughout the world that hurts. Um, that's the calling that Christ has put on the lives of people. So when we start thinking about for our neighbors, it really is, is a shift in us to really start thinking about others. Um, and it really isn't brand new. It's not as if the pastoral team sat around and said, hey, what can we come up with? It'll be pretty revolutionary. These are the words of Jesus. And Jesus said, listen, love God. And make a difference where you live, work, and play. Because make, make a difference wherever you're at, around anybody that your life intersects with. And that really is kind of the focus of trying to get us to see beyond the walls of the church and instead engage in making a difference in the lives of people that we see around us. And we talked about how to serve and how to connect and how to share and all of those things. But today we want to talk about the idea when we're looking at for our neighbors of growth and that whole concept of growing together. And again, that's, that's not brand new stuff. We, in fact, we kind of like the idea of growth, right? I want my savings account to grow. I want my retirement fund to grow. 
And if you go to the gym, you want your muscles to grow. You want your relationships to grow, right? You want your relationships to improve. But there's actually kind of a common thread that runs through all of those. You know what it is? We've got to be intentional. Because, man, there are years I prayed for that savings account to grow. And God was like, mm-hmm, put some money in it. Because I kept looking and nothing kept changing. You know what I'm saying? I actually had to put money in the savings account. I had to put money in retirement. I had to go to the gym. I had to work on relationships. And Jesus has kind of called us to take that intentional mindset for us to choose to do these things. And he did it through something that we often call the Great Commission, right? Which is kind of a churchy little phrase to say, these are some of the last words of Jesus where he shared some things that were fairly important for us to know. And he speaks to his followers in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, let me break down a couple of words in here. When Jesus says, go, it's not as if he's telling us, go with a destination in mind. He's not saying, listen, pack your bags go to Argentina, and then once you get there, then you can make some disciples. The actual phrase there, go, means as you go. He's talking about as you walk through your normal pace of life, where you live, work, and play, in that pace of life, make disciples. And what are we talking about when we're talking about making disciples? Well, surely part of that is that initial introduction to Christ, right? Getting people to choose to follow Jesus Christ. But the other piece of that talks about growing. That's really what it is. Hey, you want to you educate people. You want people to take steps of faith. You want them to, to increase their confidence in God and start to live that out a little more fully. Because the cool part is at the very end, what? He says, I'm with you always. You're not by yourself trying to figure this out. I'm going to go with you. We're going to travel together down this pathway of growth and see what this looks like. And that connection to Christ is what fuels us. And when we start walking in that pathway with him, what we'll discover is that true growth in Christ helps other people grow. It's true. True growth in Christ will help others grow. It's not just a self-serving, individualistic perspective. It helps other people grow. Let me break it down for you in another phrase. Ready? I grow, you grow, we grow. That's pretty simple math. Let's read that together, right? I grow, you grow, we grow. And that's exactly the way God has laid the gospel message out. He says, listen, man, as you start walking this pathway of faith, you start discovering who I am in you, you're going to keep growing. And we do need to keep growing. Continual growth is extremely important. It's kind of like your ears. Do you know that your ears never stop growing? That's why I don't want to live to be too old. I'm like 150 with big old Dumbo ears, you know, down to my knees and stuff. I, I just have no desire for that. But from a spiritual perspective, continual growth is a positive thing. God says, listen, I want you to keep growing in faith. I want you to grow in understanding. I want you to grow in your walk with me. But maybe we just want to ask that question. All right, Jesus told me to do this. What, what happens? I mean, what, what's the result of this? Why should I grow? Well, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, there's this guy named Paul, and he's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, and I think he gives us a pretty clear understanding of why it is we should be seeking this growth. So if you've got a tablet, phone, whatever, you've got a physical Bible, if you want a physical Bible, hit the welcome centers on the way out. We'll give you one for free. We'd love to do that for you. But in verse 11, Paul writes this to us to kind of help us understand. Verse 11, so Christ himself 
gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. He's saying, listen, Christ himself set up these different roles. He put these people and gifted them specifically to do these things. What are these things? Verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's growth. He goes, I'm I'm giving you this to equip you for works of service so that you are built up. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, there's growth, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Say fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then... We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Let me give you a little hint. Paul was a prophet because what Paul is saying to us way back when, modern day times, he's saying, don't believe everything you read on the internet. That's what Paul's telling us, sort of. He says, listen, don't go back and forth. Be rooted and grounded in God's truth. He said, because otherwise you're like a baby who believes everything. You know, when you were a kid, if your parents pretended to take your nose, you actually thought they stole your nose. <laughs> when you're, didn't you believe that in your kid? Like, give me my nose back. Now as an adult, you're like, why are you touching my face? It's a whole different perspective. You're not really believing that this is taking place. Because from a spiritual perspective, he says, we got to grow up as well. That we've got to move forward and not be blown back and forth by all of this deceitful stuff. Hang on to the truth. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love. Let me pause here for just a moment. So our biggest concern as followers of Christ, speaking the truth and being right or in loving other people. Now, there can be a marriage between the two, but I think sometimes we lean so far, and by we, I mean me, so far towards I must be right that we forget the greatest call of followers of Christ is to love other people. Go back to the commandments, right? When they asked Jesus, what's the greatest? He said, you've got to love God and then love others as you love themselves as long as they're not disagreeing with anything you have to say. That's not what the scripture said. Just love. So let's make sure that we're focusing as we grow up in speaking love. Speak the truth in love and we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is a beautiful picture of what it means to step away from a childhood of faith, to grow and mature, to build ourselves up so that we can hang on to the truth, to speak love to other people. But what's the ultimate goal? Is to become more fully like Christ, to to grow in the fullness of who he is. Now, let me just say this. If you've already committed to being a follower of Christ, that's your objective, right? Christian means the little Christ, right? That's the pathway we're walking down. But even if you haven't yet quite bought into the the religious piece of this, of following Jesus as the Son of God, just look at the life of Jesus as a man here on earth and how he treated other people. Look how he didn't diminish women when he was in a culture that clearly diminished women. Instead, he elevated and spoke kindness and compassion and wisdom and strength to them. That when he looked at people from different religious beliefs and backgrounds, he didn't demean them for that. He didn't sit around and tell them why they were wrong. He instead spoke love and compassion and created opportunities for peace. That he did this in different races and different ethnic backgrounds. That's exactly the model of Christ. Well, even if you set aside the religious piece of things, that certainly seems like somebody that I'd want to emulate. That certainly seems like somebody whose path I would want to follow. 
That's, that's what we should be desiring, right? Think back to when you were kids, right? When you were little children and maybe dad sat on the couch and read a newspaper, you'd sit on the couch and pretend to read your little newspaper, right? If dad was outside mowing or mom was outside mowing, you see, you know, a little daughter, a little son with a little plastic mower mowing behind, right? Because they want to be like their, their parents. We, I, I think that becomes a great desire of us, not just from parents, but we want to emulate our heroes. We want to emulate athletes. You know, we want to have a jump shot like so-and-so and we want to have a throw a touchdown pass like so and All of those things flow because we want to model ourselves after those attitudes and behaviors. And that's what Christ is saying to us. Listen, I'm the one you want to follow, You want to become more fully like me, to keep walking in that. But in verse 12, it's not just that we have that desire. Christ has that desire. He did this to equip his people. He set those roles up so that we would do works of service to equip his people. Why? Because Jesus is personally invested in our growth. He is personally passionate about about seeing us grow in him, that we would learn to be anchored to the truth. We would learn to speak in love. We would show grace to people who don't look like what we think they should look like when they look in the mirror and don't look just like us. Right? That's exactly the pathway he's calling us to follow. And that's something we've got to do every day. And as we grow in that, now we'll start to share that path of following God. That's where growth becomes a key part of becoming missional. So how are we supposed to pull that off? Well, it's not a formula, but I think Paul gives us some clues. The first thing Paul guides us towards is that we need to thrive in our calling. Thrive in our calling. Now, when we talk about calling, that's kind of a churchy, Christ-centered word, right? You don't necessarily use that a whole lot of other places. But when you think about calling, it's, it's about the idea of, of having a greater purpose in our life, right? Having something that we know we're specifically supposed to be doing. Sociologists have studied to determine the three really inner deep needs of people. One is called transcendence. It's it's the desire that we have to connect to the creator, that we feel this pull, this tension of looking for something more in our life than just what we're facing right around us. It's one of the reasons I think you're here today is that idea of being pulled to the creator. One of the other ones, of the other three, is is the idea of connecting in community, that we want to be part of people where we can be honest and we can encourage each other, we can grow with each other. The third is that we want to have significance. Meaning we want to have something that we're called to do, something we're supposed to do, and do it where it makes a difference. I think that God is calling us in all of those pieces. I think that foundation of that calling is that he's calling us to be his sons and daughters. He's asking us to place our identity in him, to grow in that relationship with him. And that's something we've got to do all the time. And for, that to th- for you to be able to thrive in that calling, that means you've got to spend some time on it. It means you've got to schedule some appointments with Jesus. Now, you're doing that this morning. That's great. But you also got to figure out other times throughout the rest of your week where you live, work, and play to make room for him. You know, that, that helping you to increase in that knowledge and increase that faith is one of the reasons we put stuff in your worship program when you come in. That's why you get a little sheet in there that has, you know, Monday through Saturday with a couple of scriptures and a little bit of prayer on there. We do that just to kind of give you a guide, some things to help. Some of you may not need it. Some of you may want that. But that's because we understand if you don't make time, if you're not mindful of spending that time with God, then it kind of gets shoved off to the wayside and we've lost the foundation of our calling. But the second piece of that is that God has specifically gifted us. He's given us some specific talents and skills, and he's asking us to use those. He wants us to discover what those are and start to thrive in those. Because growth isn't just about knowledge, it's about action. So have you figured out what it is that God has gifted you in? It took me a little while, but I'll tell you, I discovered while I was in high school or teaching high school that one of mine is to teach. And I loved teaching high school and loved working with students. And I'm hoping that I'm continuing to thrive in that calling as we're here. And the neat part is, as I use that gift, I grow. 
kind of hoping you're growing a little bit, because otherwise this is not going well. But as you do, then we grow. I grow, you grow, we grew as I use my gifts. So let me ask you this question. Are you spiritually maturing? Are you spiritually maturing, exercising the gifts that God has given you? Are you spiritually maturing, exercising the gifts that God has given you? And maybe you think, I, I would love to be, but I, I, I kind of, I'm on and off, sort of. Well, here's the beautiful part about who God is. He says, well, then just start. Just start today. He's not going to knock you for last month or last week. Or, he says, just start fresh today. And maybe you don't know where to start. That's why we do things like growth track. Growth track is something that, that we all got together as a staff and crafted. It takes place uh, every Sunday at 10:15 in the morning, and it happens right out here in room 301, and you just run through a different piece all month long, and then it repeats itself. And it's about learning to know God, walk with God, connect with others, and make a difference. Because we recognize sometimes we need a little help on the journey because we can help each other grow even as we grow in our own relationships. So I encourage you, if you haven't done that or you're still trying to figure out where you plug in, to jump in on that. And then otherwise, honestly, just try something. You know what I'm saying? Find an area you're passionate about and try something. Try to grow in that relationship and figure out how God's going to keep guiding you forward. Because I tell you, as a pastor, our biggest commitment is not for attendance. In fact, John Maxwell, he said it best. He was, lead, he was a pastor and, and a leadership guru. And he said the goal of the pastor is not to get people to show up, but to get people to grow up. I mean, numbers are fantastic because numbers represent individual souls and stories. But what we want to see is those individual souls and stories growing in their relationship with Christ. Because that helps us know that you're growing, we're growing, we're doing this together. And as we start doing that together, we'll discover that we have the same ideals in mind. And now we'll start to work towards unity. Sometimes unity takes a little bit of work, doesn't it? But that's exactly what he told us in verse 13. He says, man, we've got to keep doing that until we reach unity in the faith. We're going to keep pursuing it. But I, th I think a better, maybe even a better illustration to kind of unfold that for us is from the message, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of, of Scripture. And in verse 13, he says, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other. I just like the word picture that creates. We're moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. Man, that's a great picture of a church and a group of people working together in unison. Almost kind of brings to mind the idea of a dance, right? That moving rhythmically and easily. But if I talk about that, some of you are like, yeah, I don't dance, man. That's not happening. Got no rhythm. That's not going to occur. So let's give you one we've probably all done at some point in time in our lives. A three-legged race. You ever done a three-legged race? Maybe a field day back in elementary school when they like to torture kids with stuff like that. Or a, a company picnic or a family reunion, right? And you tie your lower legs together and then you give them a finish line out ahead and you say, go. I'd be the guy off on the side with my camera because somebody's going to eat grass. Right? And I'm putting that on YouTube, man. I'm going to have a blast with that. But you know, the only way you're going to win is if you figure out how to move rhythmically and easily with each other. That means adjusting to the differences that the two of you share, compensating for each other, and figuring out a way to move forward in an even pace. Not about one of you crossing the finish line before the other one because you'll be dragging somebody's body with you if you have to go that way. But instead about finding a way to stay in step with each other. 
I love that idea about staying in step, about treating each other with respect, about understanding that there are differences in each of us. Look around the room, right? Differences in age and heights and backgrounds and experiences and skin color and genders and all. We can list all of these differences out, but let's figure out a way that we can work in unity, the thing that God has called us to work together towards by his church. He said, this is what I want you to do. Because if we can't figure that out within the walls of the church, we're talking about for our neighbors, Man, how are we supposed to model true love to our community when we can't show true love to people who share the same ideals? We've got to take those same steps to to speak understanding to each other, to show some grace to each other. So we talk about trying to find ways to respond in love, try to find ways to, to pursue unity. That means we've got to do that in our thoughts. We've got to do it in the words that we speak. We've even got to take some actions to bring people together instead of finding ways to divide people and categorize and label people. So let's all move forward with that same mentality. And I'm going to encourage you as you do that to sit down and have some conversations. Have conversations with people who don't share every single principle you do, which honestly, that's not hard to find. We could do that just in this room. But let me give you a little secret. This is Craig's helpful hint. When you have conversations, every now and then, you're going to need to shut up. Because <laughs> having a conversation does not mean let's sit down so I can tell you everything I believe. Or while you're speaking, I'm just thinking of what I'm going to say the moment you take a breath. But to genuinely listen. To seek understanding. That's what's going to unite not just a church, but a community. That's what's going to unite neighbors. To sit down and say, you know, we don't have to come from the same background. We don't have to believe everything the same way, but I want to know you. See, that's growth. That, that's a willingness to invest in someone. That's a willingness to come together and find the same thing. In fact, it's in verse 16, this passage we've looked at. Paul says, from him, the whole body joined and held together. When you look at that, what that actually means, you go back to that original language, it's the idea of, of sewing something together of taking different pieces of cloth. And I'm not talking about like making a wedding dress or making a real nice dress shirt where it's going to look super fancy. We're talking about different sizes and shapes and colors and age of cloth, right? Some of it brand new, some of it older. And sewing it together and creating this patchwork quilt that's gorgeous. That by itself, you see pieces of cloth, you think, right, this could be something. But when it's sewn together, the way God has asked us to sew it together, to step forward in unity, it's not about one piece of cloth looking at the other one going, "Mm mm-hmm, you're not as good as I am. It's about recognizing the beauty that's within all of us and that together in unity, we can create something that's absolutely magnificent. And our faith is a key part of that, individual faith. But I want you to hear this. It's not about keeping it as an individual. You see, I mean, our, our faith should be personal, but not individual because it's meant to be shared. It, it's something where it's, it's meant to benefit other people. And I, and I think one of the, the big calls out of Matthew 28 when he tells us to go and make disciples is that he's asking us to bring someone with you. Because, man, if we're on this journey of growth, bring someone with you. I grow, you grow We grow. We do this together to look around for people where you live, work, and play and engage them in this process. And again, this is, when we're talking about being missional, please don't misunderstand. This is not about you being a superhero. We don't need you to tie on a cape and fly into a neighborhood and drop down and go, I'm here to give you all the answers and save the day and then fly back to your home. 
Being missional is the idea of walking through life and saying, hey, let's link arms and do this together because I need you as much as I hope you need me. I'm not standing here as someone who has all the answers. We're going to do this together. You may be aware of this. There's a place in our community called Bodyplex. I see some familiar faces. My friends around here, we see each other in the gym doing stuff, right? Bodyplex is a wonderful embodiment of this, I believe. In fact, they have a class called Knockout, which by the title alone doesn't really convince you to go. Let's just be honest. (laughs) But in Knockout, they have all of these really incredible physical challenges that happen over this, uh, what seems like 16 hours that they're together. I've never done this class. I'm not brave enough yet. But you see individuals in there, and they're going through this. And the really neat part about what happens at Bodyplex is that you may have somebody who's just struggling. Somebody's thinking, there's no way I can possibly do this. I can't last another 30 seconds. I can't do another three reps. And their partner, the person next to him is like, no, come on, you can do this. We'll do this together. We'll make our way through it. And then afterwards, they're like, I did it. Thank you. You helped me do that. I never would have made it through that class without you. And they're on Facebook saying so-and-so and -and -and so-and-so. They're pumping each other up. And the cool part is that the person who is encouraging you on Tuesday, right? you may be encouraging them on Wednesday because we're all in this together. Man, what a perfect embodiment of the way the church is supposed to be. Our involvement and our community is supposed to be because there are going to be some times when I need your help because my faith falters. But as you grow, you get to help me grow too. You see, that's where we link arms and we walk forward together. You see what God wants our community to be? I grow, you grow, we grow. And you may think, well, I've got to reach a certain point of maturity before God can use me. That's not true. God will take you right where you're at. He'll put you around somebody. And sometimes you may think, well, this person, man, they've been following Jesus for like 30 years. I've been following Jesus for like 30 seconds. You know, you can still help them along that journey. That there are things that you can share in that as well. Because here's what God wants from us. He wants a willingness He he wants our desire. He wants us to choose him. But then here's what he does. God sustains our growth. He's the one that sustains it. He says, listen, this is my desire for you. I just want you to be willing and then watch what I'm going to do. Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, I planted the seed. Apollos, who's another pastor, Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. We were faithful to do our part, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. He is the one who nourishes. He is the one who sustains. Will we partner with him and continue to move forward in faith? We go with his strength his direction. And I think one of the really neat things that we start to see happening, and you've heard it hopefully all throughout the message, is that as we grow in our faith and grow in our relationship with him, our perspective starts to change. And now we don't become so self-consumed as much as we now become consumed and concerned with others. And I think that becomes one of the great markers of faith, One of the great markers of our growth is where our attention starts to focus on other people and not just on ourselves. There's a a wonderful prayer by St. Francis of Assisi. Um, And I'll be honest, it's a prayer that I recite to myself almost daily. 
Um, it's one that kind of helps center me and focus me on what's important. And, and in the second half of this, St. Francis pins his own thoughts, but I think it's a beautiful representation of the idea of, of shifting that growth towards other people. And, and he writes this, O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love for it is in giving that we receive in pardoning that we are pardoned and in dying that we are born to eternal life amen those are wonderful words about father as you grow in me may may i see the people around me may i truly be for my neighbors in compassion and care and generosity and kindness and may I want to see them grow as I grow. So let's read this prayer together, if you would, please. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, in pardoning that we are pardoned, and in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And friends, with your permission, I would now like to pray those words over you. So if you would please close your eyes, bow your heads as I pray these words. O divine master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console that we may not seek to be understood as much as to understand, that we may not seek to be loved as much as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, in pardoning that we are pardoned, and in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. I grow, you grow, we grow. Who are you going to help grow this week? Thanks for listening to this message. If you'd like to find out more about Northridge, visit our website at northridgechristian.com. If you'd like to stay connected throughout the week, download our ChurchLink app today for your iOS or Android device.